Guys? Yes, what? Terry. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. <laughs> Uncle Terry! And, and no, 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 Uncle Terry. We're not doing Uncle Terry and anymore? A plus for your acting skills there. What's the one thing you want to see in D&D? What do you mean by that? What's the one thing? <laughs> There's a lot of one what's, things What's I the one thing you D&D? think is missing from Dungeons & Dragons? I think we've lost the concept of the dungeon. Hmm. I think that we don't go into subterranean torture chambers anymore to find loot, loot bodies, and and find old undead things. Like it, it just right. it's caves and caverns. It's natural. It's sewer systems. It's underground tunnels. But I don't think when was the last time you walked into the dungeon, the long abandoned yeah. dungeon beneath the decrepit fort? We just don't for, see a lot of that. For anymore. me, it's the discovery of the dungeon that I really miss. Like. I remember having uh, two notebook, two notebooks beside my character sheet. My first notebook was all my loot, all my um, little like story notes I was taking. My other one was a hex grid, or not a hex grid. It was a, a, a grid sheet paper where I was drawing out the map as the DM, you know, was describing it to us, and and we had to find our way through the map, and then this this sense of getting lost inside of this dungeon and not knowing our way yeah. out. Yeah, I feel like survival like is really not as big a thing. No, the survival yeah. exp- and the exploration pillar, as we've, we've you know, claimed it or titled it, is is lacking. I want to see that more supported. I want to have that uh, exploration further fleshed out. That's the Yeah, thing I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff out there for role-playing now in 5th edition. They've done a great job. They've given us backgrounds as a third part and, of building character. And combat is ironed out and brilliant it's smooth, and smooth. And, yeah. even compared to previous editions it is heads and shoulders above everything else exploration is wanting it's still just survival checks mm-hmm. and do you have enough rations yeah and then after a while you stop asking yeah and then even if you're tracking encumbrance who's really throwing a shit ton of log i'm kind of curious in? like i know i haven't sat at a table that tracks encumbrance in years have you guys ever in a D&D game tracked encumbrance seriously? I've never I tracked have. it. I have. But it was 3.5 when you had ounces listed. It wasn't just how many pounds. It was ounces. Has the weight of gold ever been an issue? Yes. Yes. There was a massive issue in early, early, early D&D. Because I kind of agree with that. But I would cap it at, look, you can carry a maximum of 200 gold pieces on your person. Because you carrying 6,392 is ridiculous. And it that actually brought a part of the game in where you had to have someone looking after your horde if you had thousands upon thousands of gold. Yeah. There had to be money changers. So if you walk in with 20,000 silver, well, how am I going to change this into that, know, yeah, that's why we thousand gold? That's why it's not a single coin. It's four or five different, yeah. depending on whose table you're yeah. sitting at. Right? Look, I, I miss that shit. I think that's, uh, that's seriously lacking in D&D now. Yeah. However, at some point, it becomes granular. I... I remember the point, Terry, where you, your eyes glazed over because I'm like, all right, so there are these trade routes. And you're like, I don't care. Mm. I just don't care anymore. And at some point, your level of detail, everyone around the table has to be on the same page with the level of detail that you're yeah. on, right? So, otherwise you're going to... And people- there has to be a good system because it's just like sitting there across the table and being like, well, you've got 17 strength. So that means your max load is this. You are clearly carrying four pounds over that max load, like every session. Like it, it adds a lot to the DM. I need to see a different system, and yeah. even exploration. And like, um, I, I look at uh, exploring Chult and uh, the Tomb of Annihilation series, where you are exploring a will, wild jungle through a hex grid. 
that system didn't quite work. It, it was tiresome and arduous. I'd like to see something a little bit smoother, as refined as combat and as role-playing. I maybe think that, going off what you're saying, Dan, is that it's not necessarily about weight for me, but, like, mass. Like, okay, look, I'm not going to count all of the weight, but the fact that you have five great axes strapped to your back, 6,000 gold pieces, a bag of holding, and you insist on carrying the goblin NPC and all that, it just gets to a point where it's just, how are you walking around? How are you walking through the door or yep. crawling through the tunnel? This is why you had retainers and you had NPCs that you would hire to stay with the mules and you had Sherpas and yeah. and we don't have that anymore. Yeah. Right? You, have, you, you walk into a dungeon and everyone goes, so what are we doing with the horses? Ah, they'll be fine when we come back out. Yeah. And then you take three breaks, like long rests inside the cave, and you're really hoping that the stump you tied them to is close to some grass or something for them to eat. Yeah, you end up being in there for four days or something. You come back up. And, oh, not and, be- and because the DM has allowed you to name them, and you guys have, <laughs> have spent 40 gold on brushes for your horses, the jewel-encrusted brushes, hey. the dungeon master is not going to sit there and say, I'm sorry, your mounts are gone. He's going to, because that's not fun. Yeah. Right? And I miss that. I think that that, that you're I'm, right. I'm, that I'm just going to pull a Witcher and name every single horse the exact same thing. You kill my horse. No, you killed Galahad. Okay, well, the next one, it's going to be Galahad. I don't care if he looks different. Our, He's just Galahad. Uh, our goblin sidekick had did that with chickens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's Mr. Box and then Mr. Box 2. And no, Mr. What was Box the one 3. that we never but saw? But I wouldn't number them. Mr. Okay. Box 3? Yeah, no, no, no. You got the Mr. Box 6 and the Mr. Box 8. Uh, what happened to 7? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. We don't that. talk about <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. For me I think um I think what's missing from D D is rewarding failure much more. And and to put it on a simple scale, like do you remember like Crash Bandicoot, where it's like obviously you were trying to jump across the bridge and it shouldn't fall down because you die and then sometimes it fall down, you fall but you just end up in a secret area. Yeah. Like, oh, that was unexpected. Like do you always have to die if the bridge collapses? What what about if you land in the river and that takes you off to something somewhere else? And that that is my favorite mechanic to spring on a party that hasn't seen it before is the swallowed effect because you're swallowed so you're restrained and you're disadvantaged in your attacks, but you're inside a stomach and you can still hit. Yeah. And you're actually going to do some real freaking damage. I'll drop the AC on this significantly because mm-hmm. you're in a fucking stomach. Yeah, are you able right? to thrust forwards? So, yeah, so you're taking like 1d4 acid damage around because that stacks with 5th edition, but you're also doing 25 damage every round from inside and yeah. and you can't take any more damage than that. Yeah. One and of my favorite moments from found the dagger because the last guy who got swallowed is also in there. So. Yeah. And it's just not digested yet. Yeah. Now, one of my favorite moments from, like, the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie is uh, Drax just destroying the inside of the beast in the opening scene. Yeah, but that's one of those things that is a reward for failure, like Terry said. Yeah. Right? Like, like you get swallowed, and you're like, oh my god, am I dead? I'm like, no, you're inside a stomach. You're just inside. Yeah, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We're basing that now on asphyxiation rules, which are ridiculous yeah. in 5th edition. So you have the next 25 minutes in there to just, because you have a con of three. Love it. I love it. Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. I am Terry. With me, as always, is Dan and Adam. And today we're talking about party politics. Ooh. Right? Nice light subject. Yeah. 
it might get a bit a little a uh, little deep. I feel like uh, we're getting better at this type of stuff all the time. I used to be uh, not so good at it, but I feel like I'm a little bit better now. Yeah. Um, so what I want to do, guys, is to kick it off with the first topic. I want to talk about how to get players to take initiative, uh, to communicate better, and and how to make them feel comfortable. Um, so a couple of things that maybe we want to talk about is uh, how can we cater the campaign to make everybody happy? You can't. Is my opinion, but we got to roll. Topic this. two. <laughs> All right, roll initiative. One, two, three. 15. Oh, Dan got a natural twenty. A I got natural a twenty. Five, so I'll go last. Isn't the tradition usually the DM goes first? Isn't that? Uh, yeah, but um, but the dice are but the dice rule masters. Dice and rule all. Have decided that I will start those off. So uh, you 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 can't make everybody happy all the time, and you should not expect or. Uh, I would even say attempt to make everybody happy at all times. Um, but you really need to go for the as happy as possible, like the highest the highest general feeling, right? Because mm-hmm. there's going to be times when someone is not happy with something outside of the table that they're bringing to the table and we're human. You can't avoid that, right? And we're talking this specifically – in the middle of a campaign. You've already done your session zero that we've talked about last year. Hmm. We've already, you've already kind of set the base ground rules. So if it happens where someone is, you know, unhappy with something from either bringing it from outside of the table to the table or something that happening at the table in the moment, you as the DM and you as the player, um, honestly should just be, it, you have to be different with every single person around the table. So there's no real surefire way to do this, but, um, you got to work and be open and communicative with the table. And if the DM sets the culture of that, if other players around the table set the culture of that, other people will pick it up. That's nope. that's that's my answer specifically to that question of can you make everybody happy? I don't think you can and you shouldn't expect to. So don't, right? But don't be directly antagonistic either. Yeah. Either as a player or as uh as a DM. Give players their time to shine. Remember, you are all players in a narrative story, but none of you are the main protagonist. Mm -hmm. You're all a supporting cast of each other. Yeah. So there are going to be times in this narrative where your half-work barbarian is not part of this social encounter. So shut up and pay attention. Yeah. Avoid the, then I walk in. No, you don't. Yeah. You're 30 feet away around two corners. You have no idea what's going on. Exactly. And you might have a tidbit of knowledge to chip in guess what a great time to bring that knowledge in is when the people who were involved in that role-playing situation and that combat situation then meet up with the party later because of course you've split the party yeah but you meet up later and they tell you what happens and at that point that's a great point to bring it in yeah right sure adam oh um you're wrong <laughs> How many times do I say that, Dan? You just like you, everyone. I wish you could see the look on Dan's face. Like, fuck, Adam. God damn, here we go again. No, seriously though, um, what you say is right. You can't make everybody happy all the time. However, I also believe that there's a social structure and a social contract involved here. Everybody showed up for the same reason. That reason is usually, um, you, you can feel it in the room. Like it's understood by people that this is a smash it up campaign, or this is a stealth campaign, or political intrigue, or whatnot. So cater to it, even though you, the DM, just saw Blade Runner and you want to do a really gnarly, deep look at a dark, dystopian future. No, man, everybody showed up to be fucking pirates. Yeah. Be pirates. That's what you agreed to. 
That's how you keep everybody around the table happy. And during the session and before the session and immediately after the session, these are not the times to bring up the, hey, so I'm not happy with this. That's what a Facebook message or a text message or a cup of coffee yeah. is for, right? Say, hey, you know what? I'm not digging it. What can I do different? Keeping everybody on the same page, like we know why we got together. And this is why I believe that DMs need to be foreshadowing all the time from a meta perspective. I don't think meta knowledge is a bad thing. If you turn to the players, I saw Dan getting disillusioned with the current campaign. And I said, Dan, I know you don't give a shit about spoilers. Do you want to know why I'm going so hard and gritty and dark? And he said, yes. And I said, you, I will, I will tell you why. I stacked the deck against you. I put seven incredibly powerful monsters that you cannot defeat in directly in front of you and lined them all up. Uh, eight, actually, I guess. And and why you haven't gotten a solid win in six months. And everything that you do is one step forward, two steps back, and there's a reason why. Do you, do you want to know what it is or do you want to wait until the end of the campaign to see the big reveal? He said, tell me now. So I did. And he's happier for it. I'm not going to spoil it in case the others are yeah, going to listen to this. Enough. But... but I, I kind of ripped the curtain back and I said, here it is. And did it make you, like, it restored your faith in the campaign a little bit. And I think that you're going to well, come it, back it, with... it gave me something to look forward to. Uh, it, I, yes, it restored my faith in the campaign a little bit. Uh, I wouldn't say my faith was necessarily gone, but we agreed when we sat down for this campaign, just as an example, uh, for a dark, gritty, like, gang warfare campaign. And we sat down and even at the beginning, we were like, this will take six months you know, and then we'll be back to the previous story that we've kind of put on pause. We're a year and a half in, two years in, yeah, of the six month the the six month campaign. Like there came a point where I'm just like, this was only supposed to be six months. Oh, we're off the rails. Yeah, right. And it just got <coughs> sorry, I know we're all sick right now. And it just got weightier and weightier and weightier, and the character I was playing. Even if the situation could technically be called a win, definitely did not walk away from that situation as a win. He was usually the one carrying a lot of that weight. So, um, it, yeah, I, I, I was feeling it. And you opening up the doors, the, the curtains, and giving me a view in the end gave me something to look forward to. But that's just the kind of person I am. I'm the kind of person I don't care about spoilers in the slightest. Right, right? but but that's, uh, that's just the thing. is where I know that Charlie's sitting at the table is not going to want to know any spoilers. He doesn't want anything. As a matter of fact, he doesn't really like to know the names of NPCs before he's met them, even if the rest of you have. Yeah. Right? So... I I dig that, because I don't like spoilers either. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm the same way. I don't like it. But but Dan, I think, was, was feeling the weight of it. So, I haven't changed anything in the game around the table, and on the day of itself, we're running it as normal. But I can see the look in Dan's eyes. I can see the shoulders slumping going, oh, shit, here's another failure. Right? I'm like, okay, look, let's talk this out. You're not having fun because I, as a DM, it's my job to listen to everyone else. It's not my job to content create. Mm -hmm. That's what Wizards does when they produce a module. If you take that on in homebrew, good for you, but it's not your job. Your job is to facilitate what other people are doing. You need to listen. And by listen, I mean observe in, yeah, in yeah. all aspects, right? So you need to check out the body language. You need to be able to check out um, their attention span, right? How often are they canceling on a session? If they've canceled two out of the last six weeks, they're not invested. 
I've got that going on in my Tuesday group right now. Mm-hmm. I've got one person that's canceled twice in the last three. I'm like, you're not invested, and that's okay. I'm not going to give you the heavy stuff. We'll keep it light and fluffy, and maybe if you're having more fun, you'll come back more often. Yeah. And that's just how it's got to be, yeah. right? And so I, you're right. You can't do a single thing. You can't expect a single act to keep everybody happy all of the time. So I say do many acts to keep everybody happy. Juggle. Yeah. Right? And that that's so that's my answer is you have to give everyone a fair amount of time. If you are playing with your significant other, how much time are you putting into their storyline, into their reactions? How well do you know their their mentality? Compare that against everybody else's and raise those people up to that level of familiarity as far as are they enjoying the game. I, th- I think a good tip for everybody, um, especially uh, – I know we're going to be talking about engagement later, but um, along this track of, of trying to stay involved, trying to stay happy with the campaign, having something to look forward to um, – Make sure you're giving your characters a list of dreams, hopes, and and those things. Literally a point form list of five things that your character's gunning for. If you do that in any given social situation, you can sit back and ask yourself, where does this social situation line up in attaining one of my five wants? Yeah, and and I'm sorry, but I, I think that we should have two. It should be the positive and the, and the and, negative as well. And the negative. Yeah. Here are the yeah. things in the spirit that, of fair play. Yeah. yeah. Here are the things that I don't want. And it can be as much like, I hate orcs and I want to kill orcs. That's a positive. The I don't want is, I don't want to be stuck in confined spaces. That yeah. freaks me out. I'm yeah. sick to death of cultists. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, because you can be going after all the, hey, I want to kill dragons, but then you got to go through a dragon cult. Now you're annoyed. Yeah. Right. So, I think you should have a. There, uh, there should sides. be a little yeah. bit of this because I know. If you're playing a more tactics-driven campaign, which a lot of tables do, and I, my Friday group is one of those, um, one of the ways I stay engaged is and and mindful of what my character's desires are is by having this little bit of a list, this 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 uh, this list built out, so that when I'm dealing with my friends around the table who are just playing this statistic block, and I'm I'm applying this statistic block against that statistic block. And that is their entire level of desire in the game. And that's fine. That's what they're at the table for. It's not what what I'm at the table for. Um, I know that by having these lists, I could reference them when I'm falling into the culture of of, uh, some of the table where it's just fight after fight after fight after fight after fight. I want to bring a little bit of that in and it gives me something a little bit more to look forward to. That's not putting it on necessarily other players. I know the DM is open to it because I've talked to him about it. So I could sit there and be like, hey. I want to take care of this for a moment. And the guy who's all about combat takes a sip, uh, leans back a bit and observes. And when the next combat pops in, he leans back forward and goes back to it. I think what you guys are saying, just for, for my answer here, uh, is um, yes, you need the session zero to lay out your format, lay out your theme, lay out your social contract. But you also need to be able to adjust along the way. Yeah. Which is exactly what Dan was just saying. You can't stick to that plan no plan survives contact with the players, right? You can't stick to that plan always. You may need to adjust. What I like that, Adam, you do very well is you give players their own individual challenges, their own individual rewards, their own individual little side quests. Um, one of my favorite ones you've done is what Justin and your Tuesday group does with the, with the herbs. The, the yeah. Random yeah. Herbs. yeah. It's so funny, man. Just for a little, a little bit of comic relief. And I love... Uh, throwing a little bit of chaos in there. So, I love that. So the thing is that he found twenty. He found uh, an herbalist's garden, 
uh, and it was a magic garden. So all of these are spell components, and he doesn't know what they do. So he plucked 23 of them and and just kind of like raided the garden and stuffed it in a pouch. And every once in a while, he just pulls one out and hands it to someone and says, this will make you feel better. And we have no idea what spell effect is on that. And I've just grabbed spells out of the player's handbook. So some of them are like web or light or fireball, right? And you have no idea how this works, but eat it and it will be cast upon you or near you. And we're going to see what happens. And and then we roll in it amazing. on Absolute a D 100 table. And yeah, it's, he has swayed the entire course of battle, but he has also managed to make social encounters appear out of nowhere just by getting, getting a little bit bored with things. And he goes, you know what? It's time for a root. And he reaches in, he pulls it out and he rolls on a D 100 table. Actually, what you pulled out was not a root. It was a thistle. And if you can soften it in your mouth, uh, the, the prickly bits, they'll, they'll actually pierce your tongue a little bit. And when it mixes, when the juices mix with your blood, it, there's this new thing that happens. And then I describe the spell without naming it and wait for them to figure out what happens. And then it's chaos. Chaos. Ensues. Yeah. And then a Bullywug chief goes into a trance that we have no idea. Oh, yeah. Astral projection on, a, on the Bullywug chief. And Seeing something. His eyes just roll back that turned into starscapes. And he went... <laughs> Wouldn't break out of it. So there's no communicating with him, but we got to go. So he's over the back of a donkey or something. We're trying to make our way. No idea what he's seen. He's seen something. And then he got killed by Santa Claus. So we never found out. Yeah. <laughs> so we never That's found amazing. out. amazing. Absolute chaos. But the fight was that was adjusting to what works for that player, and it seems to work for everybody else as well in that short amount of time. But yeah, you may have somebody more tactically based, and and even that group I've only been playing with for a few weeks. But we we had one session where I was like, I just want to fuck kill something. Somebody else said that, and so we just kind of made that happen yeah. along the way. Um, but yeah, and that, that's what I mean about like keeping uh, communication open, right? If you all come to the table after everyone's had a hard week, you know. Everyone's going to have a hard week after Christmas because it's dealing with family, dealing with in-laws or whatever it is. Um, hey, can we have a holiday where we don't see family? Can, can we have the, the me day? The purge. <laughs> oh, hmm. mm. no, that's not what I meant, but but, but I'm listening. <laughs> and we said don't, don't <laughs> see family. Series. I love the purge. Nah. But, like, you keep that communication open. Everyone comes to the table after having a stressful week and they're like, listen, I know we have a big role play thing. Kind of, that's where we're, the story's heading. All of us just want to just it's time. Vent. It's time to stumble upon the goblins yeah. fighting. Yeah, not so random yeah. encounters. Yeah, yeah, not so random encounters is a great way to put it. Um, yes. Yeah. How do we uh, stay on that same vein? We can roll again if you like, but same topic, just a different question on it. How do we balance the pillars? Oh, you're feeling the room. Um, it's yes, it's the same. An- well, okay, it isn't. It's the same answer. Let's roll so we can sure. argue this out. I got 14 this time, Adam got 13, Dan got 12. Wow. Wow, shit. Okay. Well, Terry, you're up first. Okay. <laughs> We're using all of our above 10 rolls right now. <laughs> I think how you how you balance pillars correctly or not, rather not eliminate player a, a pillar altogether is that no matter what kind of pillar you're doing, you're making it interactive for everybody. Because I think it's either one of the first ones to get brushed over is, e- is either exploration, usually, I've noticed, yeah. or it's role playing. But I think... That's because people love the how interactive uh, the combat pillar is. Yeah, okay. All right, hold on a sec. How is it okay for people... I'm just sidebar. That's okay, that's okay. How is it okay... And I'm, everybody who's listening, 
go fuck yourself. Because you all sit there and you, and you say, you know what, I'm not getting involved in this role-play encounter. Or I'm going to let the rogue or the ranger do this and I, the paladin, am not going to try to climb that rope because I weigh too much. But you never let anybody step out of combat and say, you know what, I'm not getting involved in this fight. Yeah. If somebody does that, you're all mad at them. Fuck you. Let somebody step back. Yeah. Back to the regular schedule program. No, I, and I, but I still think that everybody should be pulled in to um uh to a to a situation okay just because you're having a role-playing um uh encounter just because the massive minotaur paladin has decided that he's not going to get involved is the uh unsuspecting gnome shopkeep going to allow that minotaur paladin to just stand in the corner (laughs) or is he going to be like hey uh, can we talk about that guy over there swinging the bleeding axe you know uh i think i think everybody can be pulled in and i think just like you adjust for the last question you just need to adjust the percentage of the pillars but I don't think you should ever, ever, ever eliminate one of them completely. No, I, I, I completely agree. Um, on this, thank you. Topic. No, no, no. <laughs> so I completely agree that you should never eliminate them. Um, I would even, and I've done this when I was a player at a very my Friday group. I've said is very tactical. Um, we had a uh, session where it was, um, kind of informing a mother that her daughter had died. And I was playing a very low charisma Who's dwarf this? ranger. Uh, it, it was ours. Oh, okay, you know, okay. On my Friday group. Um, we had gone through, figured it out. Sounds like an Adam game, doesn't it? It does. That's yeah. why I asked. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the rest of my party, they're very tactical guys. Like the rest of my, my friends around that table, a lot. Most of them are tactical guys. The one guy who is just as big as a role player as I am either was playing a quiet character or wasn't there that week. I don't quite remember. But it came, it fell to my dwarf who had low charisma to inform this heavy subject around the table in a role-playing encounter. And this was way back when I wasn't very comfortable role-playing. I was still in this tactical mindset. My DM was like, listen, it falls to your character. We need to role-play this out. Because my DM really wanted to encourage that. And he put me on the spot um, in in the safe space around the table and said, how does your dwarf do it? And I'm like, "Uh, well, he's got a seven charisma. So he's probably going to just walk up and be like, oh, yeah, no, uh, your daughter's totally died in that other in, in, in the woodshed. And she was like cut in half. And like, here's part of her. Do you, I mean, want you can this? have that yeah. if you want, I guess. And the entire group around the table are just like jaws on the ground going, you need to stop talking. But none of them were there. So my dwarf just kept going. He's like, uh, I think I have some of her hair here if you want that. Yeah. And um I mean, I could show you exactly what happened as well. Um, I, I've got a bucket of goo. All right, at this point, it's on the DM for not stopping you as yeah. the player or as the as the NPC and going like, "Oh my god, you're Event- monster!" Eventually, the DM did, and and uh, I got a little bit of like uh, of that role play out of my character just completely failing this social situation. Um, but it was on point. It was in character, so it, it was a it was a great little moment where my DM. Pulled me out of my comfort zone in a safe spot to do that with a character where I could do that, even though I had built that character for combat, not for social situations. Okay, <clears throat> to circle back to answer, look, look, I like that story, and I and I want to tag onto that, but because I'm next, um, and I don't, I want to say. You should occasionally have, yes, the ranger built their character to do the exploration pillar. The rogue wanted to be sneaky. The paladin wanted to be front row center getting, you know, arrows glancing off a shield, right? But sometimes the wizard should pick up the sword. 
Sometimes the barbarian needs to be the one in the social encounter. And sometimes it's the bard that has to climb the rope. Yeah. Right? That should just happen sometimes. And I do that in my campaigns. How many times do you look around and be like, oh, I wish the fucking rogue was here? Or if I split the party, I'm going to give you guys the wrong skills about a third of the time. Yeah. Right? I agree with that as well. Right? Because it lets you, if you are going to... Dan, maximize everything you're good at, Dan, and minimize everything you're bad at, Dan. If you're going to game powerfully, Dan, then <laughs> he literally just pulled a knife. <laughs> Where Continue. You, where did you get that from so quickly? I'm Canadian. I always have a knife within reach. Fair point to shave, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to open a beer. Anyway, the... the a the 5% thing, beer. If you're going to be a min-maxer or you're going to focus on, hey... I do combat really well, so I'm going to tank my wisdom. Then suffer the consequence of that. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad thing to fail at something, right? And to find out what happens next. Like you were saying about Mm -hmm. that Crash Bandicoot, right? Mm -hmm. You need to reward failure. Like, you need to reward the attempt. So there needs to be a consequence, whether it's... It should be negative most of the time, but sometimes it's going to be positive. Sometimes you're going to break that bad news to the mother, and the mother's going to look up and be like... Thank you for being honest with me. I really needed to know all the details. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're going to be like, oh my God! Yep. And, and, and fucking like smack you, right? Yeah. Sometimes if, the mother put the hit out on the child for whatever reason. And that's yeah. how you find that out. Well, or maybe the, the mother just hated the kid, right? Like, yeah. Thank God there's one less mouth. Did to she feed. suffer? She did good. Right? <laughs> like, and you as a DM, again, listen and be flexible. If you see the person. Then you said you are uncomfortable in this moment. You were trying to work your way through it and be in character. Yes, your character failed. The player deserves a reward. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a balance. Now, one of the, now my answer before you went into this story was going to be dynamic um, encounters, which I talk about um, on the Campaign Builder uh, series, which comes out next month, or at the end of this month, actually. So, um, But I wanted to kind of drop... Because here's my answer, dynamic encounters. Mm -hmm. And by a dynamic encounter, I mean that it needs to go from one thing to another. Social or or role-playing into combat, into exploration, or into another uh, role-playing, right? It should never start the way that it finishes. If it starts with combat, it should get interrupted by a landslide. If you're crossing the bridge, you have to stop and answer a riddle to keep going. There should always be that two levels to every encounter that you've got going on. That's why I like skill challenges so much, right? Because it's something different. People are going to shine in different ways. And it's the same problem that you're solving twice. In the Christmas episode, Terry, you and I were like, how do we scale this wall? Dan's like, well, you can jump on all the floating furniture. And we're like, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to scale the wall. And you're like, I'm just not good at this, so I'm going to pick up a chair and hit things. Yeah. And, And... it was a little bit combat because we're taking damage. It's a whole lot of exploration because we're trying to figure out how to do it. But we're also role-playing with each other and hating each other as we're going through this, right? <laughs> and so it was all three, and we were all engaged as a result. Yeah. Whereas if it was just straight, roll an investigation check, do you find the secret passage? That's boring. Yeah. Right? Because there are multiple aspects to that encounter. It's The people that say, hey, I need a combat here, are thinking two-dimensionally, right? You It should be a combat... While there's someone else asking you questions or the ground is shifting or gravity's a little bit wonky. I mean, maybe not all the time. Maybe you just need to kill a goblin. Mm-hmm. But that's how I balance the pillars. And I say, how long has it been since I've had an environmental aspect 
to one of my encounters, not an environmental encounter. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right? Or, yeah, I hear what you're saying. The, 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 play, the, the player who's playing the wizard really wants a puzzle, and the guy who's playing the paladin really wants a combat. Uh, that's fine. Here's a here's a situation now, wizard, where you need to solve this puzzle, and paladin, you need to keep him alive. There's also combat happening at the same time. Exactly. And yeah. that's, that's the kind of thing that is going to be not only... Engaging but memorable. Yeah, exactly. and yeah, and we don't deal with enough of that in our our regular campaigns, in my opinion. Um, so, I think that Wizards does a really good job of creating those kind of balanced, dynamic um, encounters, mm-hmm. and that's what we're going to talk about at length on our campaign builder. We're yeah. uh, pretty much everything we talk about is a dynamic dynamic encounters, yeah, and why we build them in certain ways. So. Perfect. Well. All right, guys, well, we'll be back with topic two in just a moment. Hey, guys, Dan here with Adam. Um, normally, this is a commercial spot, but because year one of the It's a Mimic podcast has surpassed all of our expectations because of you guys and uh, the interactions we've had with you guys, this community that's built up around this podcast, we really wanted to reach out to you guys and give you kind of a taste of what year two is going to be like. It's going to be even better. So normally we do lore episodes, and uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to start looking at the popular campaign settings that have been published already for 5th edition. Our world-building series that we've had through year one is changing to be a breakdown of the races in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. Yeah, we're still going to do class breakdowns because we're not even halfway done the subclasses, so each class is going to get even more subclass breakdowns as we go. Some of them will even have three or four episodes because of how many they have. Oh yeah. We're going to be changing our coverage of the mob mentalities and changing it to a portfolios as we break down some of the big monsters in D&D. Yep, we're also going to take our dungeon mastery episodes and we're going to focus more on mechanics and the nitty gritties of the game and how to use them in session. We are also still going to be continuing with our really popular dragon mastery episodes but instead of covering all the chromatics, now we're covering the metallics and more. We have more actual plays coming, including sequels to some of the stuff that we've already put out there. We've got more giveaways coming this year, more mailbags, and more random specials. But most importantly, the thing that Dan and I are the most excited about is this second show that we are building. It's called The Campaign Builder, and it's Adam and I with our two completely different DM styles, kind of building inspiration for a campaign from session zero to the very end. We're going session by session, tier by tier, level by level, encounter by encounter, idea by idea, even if they suck. (laughs) Yes, even the bad stuff will be in there so you can hear our foibles and how much that we are just as human as you. We also want your interactions. It's going to be a highly interactive uh, show and so it's going to be on the same channel. It's going to be an additional episode on the channel every week so you're going to get to hear our voices twice. We're not apologizing for that. You're welcome. But you know where to find us okay but your friends don't we have our website it's www.itsamimic.com we're on itunes spotify youtube and most of the podcast catchers but the thing that we are lacking more than anything else is the word of mouth it really helps us we need reviews on itunes and every podcast catcher out there and and we need social media tags so i'm kind of selling my soul to please help us get the word out because this upcoming year is just going to be more and more it's bigger and better and dan is never going to sleep again no no i rarely sleep now as it is anyways uh guys thank you again so much for the success of year one we're really looking forward to year two but we should really take the ball gag off of harry because he's getting itchy and we need to record yes that's more excitement than i'm comfortable with Okay, team, let's move on to topic two. Let's talk about pacing. We'll talk about engagement and a little bit more on the specifics of making it fun. Uh, The first question I want to ask is, how do we pace the game properly while 
while still keeping it fun for everybody. Let's roll the dice. Let's do it. Oh, that was like a trick shot you guys did there. Oh, uh, you and I have to re-roll, Terry. We both got a six. We both rolled a six. Okay. Adam got a two. I, oh, natural 20. You knew, and a seven. You knew not to knock that 20. Yeah. So you thought about it for a second. Okay. I did not think about it. I was like, I need to not hit it. <laughs> okay. Um, how do we place the game properly while trying to keep it fun for everybody? Okay. I feel like you must be able to provide the next step. The next step... You need to be able to help know how to provide it. However, it shouldn't always be obvious because that becomes monotonous and kind of railroady. So I touched on before, for example, rewarding failure, the whole idea of Crash Bandicoot. You uh, you failed to stay on the bridge, so the bridge collapses and there's something else under there. Maybe that was kind of the attention, the intention all along for the DM. This was a one mile long rope bridge. Somewhere along the line, the dice were going to fail you. But you can draw this skill challenge out maybe over 45 minutes of good fun with a little bit of contact and wyverns attacking you from different angles. But maybe really, to get to the next step, you were always supposed to fall off of that bridge. Uh, you know, that's kind of very Tomb Raider-esque. But I think as long as you know what the next step is, that will help you pace the game properly. But don't make it so obvious in how you get to the next step. Mm-hmm. So for me, what I would definitely do is, uh, and and the way I prep large form campaigns, I mean, I've got a 12 session campaign coming up in the new year, um, starting in February, taking us to June to kind of give Adam a break. Um, I, I, I'm kind of taking over this five month, four month chunk of time. Mm. And I know I have X amount of sessions. So I have to fill in whatever content I want to complete and have a full arc story arc in X amount of sessions. You should know right now that we are not going into the creepy cave that we decide to go to. Yes, and I and I hundred uh, percent aware of that. But what I like to do, and I did this with Call of Cthulhu, and and it uh, just because of timing didn't it ended up biting me in the butt a little bit. But I like to plan out sessions, session by session. And kind of have, here's what the big beat is when we're starting. Here's where I want to end. Here's the beat where I want to end. Right? And that kind of gives me an idea, a goal to work forward to in that session as a DM. Um, so I know if I need to drop an encounter because we're getting close to the end of the session and this beat hasn't happened, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to drop that encounter. Right? Yeah. Um, and then I will have, you know... Depending on the length of the game you have, I will try to prep an encounter an hour. If if I'm doing fairly intensive prep, I'll do about an encounter an hour to an hour and a half. Try to have a nice round one and then throw one more extra one just in case. Yeah. And have them flexible enough as encounters. Like if I'm throwing an encounter at you that's like, no, you're specifically fighting the seven goblins on this specific sheet of ice with this specific everything – that could bite me in the butt if you guys go, we're not going near the ice. So I, I tend to have this flexible, be like, okay, well, those goblins are now going to be in the forest where you guys are going. Yeah. Right? And I have to think on my feet a little bit on that one. But there, I like to think for pacing to have a goal to work to for that, ep, uh, for that session and be aware of the time as we're working up to it. Yeah. Um, also be aware of when people are going on too long for whatever it is wrap it up so that we can move on right mm -hmm. if someone's really really wanting to buy that one um short sword or that one spell component and they're just taking forever to get to the point 
you as the DM, it's your responsibility to be like, okay, this is taking a bit too long. Here you go. We're, we need to move on. Right? And you have free reign to do that. I wouldn't be so obtuse about it, though. I would, no. I mean, it, would, it would be the shopkeeper that's like, hey, you want to buy the wand? You've been wasting my time for the last five minutes, and I've got other customers in the store, so I'm sorry. Uh, this is the final price. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. Why is there never other customers in the store? Right. In D&D. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Because there's a minotaur <laughs> with a blood axe standing by the door, and you have Martha yeah. walking up to give to buy like groceries for her two super Why did you say that name? Wait. Martha, why did you say that name? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, no. It, never mind. No, that's a terrible movie that you would expunge from. I love right. that movie. Really? I legitimately like... Which what? movie? Batman, Batman vs. Superman. Superman. I legitimately like that movie. I hated how it was all hinged on the fact that their moms were named the same. It wasn't, though. It was all about humanizing someone, but people can't look at subtext. So, you know. As the DM, I'm moving on. Okay, all right. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Terry. <laughs> but... Okay. <clears throat> Look at your uh, pacing that way, and and uh, I'm done. <laughs> okay, all right. So so my answer here is um, I look at it session by session, kind of. I know kind of what theme or – I always say, where am I going? I, I want to know by geography what direction I'm heading in, and that's going to indicate what's next. And I, I, it, it's, all, it's all numbers. It's all math. For me, and it really is for everybody, because what we're doing here is we're playing a complicated game of resource management. Yeah. How many spell slots do you have? How many hit points do you have? What's your current charisma score? How many hit points does a bad guy have? How many trail rashes do you have? What time of day is it? And when was the last time you had a short rest? Mm-hmm. How long does it take to summon your familiar? And how I'm many, already stressed. I'm not even and how, and how many feet is it to get to the rope? Right? Like, it, it's all resource management. We're all sitting there trying to manage numbers over and over and over again. So as a DM, I sit down and I say, okay, when one of the numbers begins to become depleted, whether you have too many levels of exhaustion or not enough rations or too few spell slots, right? Whatever it is, that is when the pacing is going to change. Where they can stop reacting normally and they've got to start to scramble. I want about three scrambles in a session. Now, I run longer sessions. They go six to eight hours, right? So I want about one good scramble every two hours where where the party doesn't have an answer and they've got to work together to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. This is taxing on a party. And a lot of times it's exhausting. So I then reward them with a simple and straightforward combat or simple and straightforward riddle or, hey, guys, do you just want to take a five-minute break and eat chips? Yeah. Right? Like, whatever it is, recharge the batteries a little bit. There'll be a funny or silly NPC or the one person that's been in the corner that hasn't been engaged in the last, you know, resource management. Everybody else is low on spell slots. And the rogue is like, what's a spell slot? Right. Then you turn around. You let everybody else sit back in a chair. Will you engage the rogue? Yeah. Right. Well, everyone else is doing a a um, short rest. The rogue doesn't need it. Maybe it's time to deal with that puzzle box. Right. But the other thing that I do wherever I go. There's always the threat of an enemy. Any NPC can be a combat encounter. Every place, every person, and everything has a personal history and a secret. And um, every location that you go into should be different than the last time you were here. If you've never been here, that's easy. But if you return home again, a couple of things have moved. Maybe that's because you guys hired a butler. 
or you just have a little potted plant that's been taking care of your private investigation yeah. um, for, for the last six months, right? Things are not going to be the way that it was. It's time to look at this place again. And every time that you enter a room, whether that room is literally a room or the inside of a carriage or a road or a, a period of time, or you go to the festival on Main Street, anytime that you go into a new environment, you should have to explore it to some degree to reacquaint yourself with it. And this this is an old uh, filmmaking technique with the establishing shot first. You do an establishing shot, you do an introduction, you come up with a problem, and sometimes you give them a solution, sometimes you don't. Sometimes that solution needs to be found out three scenes later, right? But then you, in order to do that, they leave, and you come up with a new establishing shot, a new introduction, and a new problem, right? Or just an extrapolation of the previous problem. And this is how I run pacing. Can I say that studying cinematography, even just on my own through fun little YouTube videos or whatever it is, has helped my DMing immensely? I just thought when you said that there, Adam, maybe I should take a look. That's be- funny be- you said that. Because running establishing shots or uh, understanding color and tone to a scene, um, even though you are running a Theater of My campaign, understanding lighting helps you immensely just in your description of a room, understanding what you are kind of targeting to establish what kind of feel around the table. Understanding cinematography helps you so much. It's not just cinematography, though. It's, it's you're writing. Right. It, it is. It's writing. Uh, one of the things that Dan and I had a big headbutt over um, the Call of Cthulhu thing was about the music in the background. And I said, Dan, we need a certain number of tracks. Every time we have a scene change, we need a new musical theme. And Dan said, why? You're still just investigating. Because we need, it's a scene change. We have to, we have to establish that. And there are these unwritten rules that people already speak. Now, I've got a background in this shit, right? So, um, and ultimately, I think Dan was right. Sometimes we could have recycled music. I did spend too many hours looking up free music online <laughs> and and bothering um, Tyler, who was our music guy, to be like, "Hey, also, we need six hours of this, <laughs> right?" But um, can you get it to us by now? <laughs> yeah, but. Um, but there is language that we use when telling stories that people don't realize because it's second nature, mm-hmm. right? It's just a part of of who we are as people that uh, consume media that they don't – it's subliminal at this point. And if you can understand what that is as a dungeon master, you can control pacing and you can control engagement and you can control um, attention. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of them – and it's simple too – where are you looking? If you are a DM that is reading the description out of the book, you've lost your players. Maintain eye contact. Yeah. It doesn't matter which one you're looking at, but look them in the eye. Don't look at their dice. Don't look at the mini. Don't point to the map. Look them in the eye. Because while they're looking at the map and they look up at you, they will see that you are engaging them still. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's these little things that to just be aware of. Look at, look at public speakers. How do they get people involved? They... They have the noun they're building to. And everything is leading to that noun. And they don't reveal it right away. But then all of a sudden, they punch it. And, and it's usually... And that is why I'm, I'm talking about blank. Whatever it is, right? And they've pointed the entire paragraph 
of their speech at this one noun. You should be pointing your entire store at the gnome bar or uh, shopkeep. You should be pointing the entire tavern at at the one uh, mysterious stranger in the corner, or the entire dungeon at the final room. Right? Mm-hmm. Know where you're you're pointing everything to, yeah. because if you know that there's a bottomless pit in the middle of these underground tunnels. That howling wind that is sucking you forward just a little bit, just enough to make your hair blow, is drawing you towards that. And now the players instantly know that this is where the big encounter is going to be, and you didn't have to tell them a fucking thing. Yeah. Right? And I just, I think that we don't sit back and look at the subtle language that we use in writing and whatnot to, to be able to communicate this stuff. Yeah. So, anyway, there's... There's my long ramble. That uh, that was a quality ramble. That was two very good answers from yeah. both of you. It's a good way to keep people engaged. I, I just want to build real quick off the maintaining eye contact. And Don't support ruin that. It. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not going to ruin it. Um, maintaining eye contact to pull people in. This is the section where we're talking about engagement and, and talking about pacing and stuff like that. Um, maintaining eye contact is massively important when you as a dm or even as a player are trying to pull players who maybe aren't comfortable with what's going on um because this is just not in their comfort zone yeah not yet they're new or whatever or 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 they're playing a bard for the first time whatever right they're they're uncomfortable they're in they're in they're off they've got a crush on the dm something right classic maintaining prolonged eye contact Wow, I got super Midwestern there. That eye contact. Did you say, you say pro- prolonged? Prolonged eye contact. Prolonged? Prolapsed eye contact. Not prolapsed eye contact. Dad, that's do you want, gross. Do you want cheese on that? Under prolapsed I assume that's the question which oh, is asked. Okay, no, continue. Yeah. Is, is another one of those things that will really help you as a player and as a DM to draw your friends and those around the table with you back into the game if they're being removed i also want to say just for engagement as much as you can remove technology from the table oh please i fucking hate technology anyway but i know this is unpopular with things like D beyond and whatnot not and personally i'm okay with D beyond but if someone is interacting with their tablet or their cell phone or their laptop when they shouldn't be you as the dm need to call them out on it look there's one thing that you can do with the piece of paper with notes on it and it is read it you are reading. When you've got D&D Beyond, you are clicking tabs and you're finding and you're searching and you're hunting and you're updating and you're uh, there's just too much going on. Yeah. I know it's the same thing, but there's way more. Th- and that's how apps work. They want you to engage the app. Mm-hmm. We don't want you to engage the app. We want you to engage the table. So what I would encourage you. That's their business, right? Yeah. At the table. <laughs> Look here. I, I, I love D&D Beyond. It's a fantastic resource. Sorry. It could print off character sheets, print them off, come yeah, to the table I do, with yeah. paper and pens and dice. That's what the game is meant to be played as. And and really, if you are hurting for engagement, removing technology from your table is going to help as much as you can. And this is coming from a guy who has a TV in his table yeah. to play D&D. Okay, um, the last thing that I want to add, because we went off about engagement, you kind of tweaked me a little bit on this. You said eye contact is important, and it is. But new players have a lot of difficulty role-playing because they don't role-play, they tell a story. A new player will have their character, well, Galahad, right? And Galahad goes over there and does this. He does this. He walks over and talks to the gnome. He's going to attack this. Start training your players early to say, I. So you 
go and you walk into the bar and you attack that guy, not Galahad. I will I will use the NPCs will call people by name, but when I'm talking to the player directly, I only use second person pronouns. Mm-hmm. And that is you and you guys and, yeah, and call them by their character name as well is a, is a cool yeah, thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't bother I won't talk to Dan at the table unless we're totally stepped back from the table for a moment and having a meta conversation with how's your day, right? But the moment that we're in it, it is it is Lockie, I need I need you to go do this. Yeah. Not Dan, I need Lachlan to go do this, right? And that will drag people in. And I personally have been doing that for players now for a couple of years, and I've managed to get every single player except two on board of, of my like I think I've had a a dozen or so new players in the last couple of yeah. years and so uh, all the new tables that i've ever run and i've run a few that is the way to get them involved even if it's they are even if they didn't build the character and you're coming to the table you got a bunch of new players and they are picking character sheets off the table to play that day they have no idea what they're doing and they're just like okay i guess i'm a dwarf cleric what's that i'm going to attack with my wisdom three yeah right, right. and they have no idea what they're doing using the the Trying to pull them personally in through their character is a great way, and I agree with you on that one. So, anyway, that was my... I love it. Perfect. Guys, do we have a shout-out? We do. So, uh, I want to shout-out the Raven Gamer. Uh, It's at the Raven Gamer. They're a, a local restaurant and board game shop that uh, is fantastic. They It's got a really cool atmosphere to it. Um they are looking for some help, so I, I want to encourage everybody to go and take a look at their Instagram page, at the Raving Gamer, where they've got a GoFundMe set up. They had some difficulty setting up the shop and are looking for some financial push just to clear the year. So um, it, it's, it's a great atmosphere, great store. They're um, one of the great nerd stores, and they serve food. I mean, they, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's great food. And name the DM t- or the D and D table that doesn't have food at it, right? They they're just hitting this problem from the other side, right? Yeah. So uh, again, that is uh, at the Raven Gamer. One word. Um, go check them out on Instagram, and uh, if you can support there, go find me. Awesome for the Vancouver audience. Whereabouts are they? They're in Langley. Just, oh, I've been there. Yeah. Oh, it is good. <laughs> <laughs> Terry doesn't know where he is right now. I've been there. And they sell board games as well. They do, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's restaurant quality food. Like it is the guy really good. the guy who's yeah, this isn't vending machines. This okay. isn't vending machines, yeah. this isn't bags of lays. This is legitimate, really good, high quality restaurant food while you're playing board games and Dungeons and Dragons and in a great nerd environment. It's a safe place. It's great. They need a little bit of help. So yeah. awesome. All right, chaps, topic three. You guys ready for this? Let's talk about problem players and problem DMs. Um, First question I have for you guys um, is how do we deal with problem players and table issues? You ready? Yep. One, two, three. Let's go. Oh, 19. I'm fucking killing this. Uh, The DM is going first. Dan, go to 10. Again. Um, Yeah. Do you know what I want to talk about problem players, guys? I'll tell you. Is It took me a little while, considering I work in a very people- heavy industry and essentially my job every day is talking to people and helping them it took me a while to realize that there are no problem players there are personality clashes and there are just different values it is not that this player is a problem it is that they are viewing something differently to everybody else and they may not even know that that is happening it is not that they are a problem player 
They are not gelling with the other personality types. It could be argued that the other four people are wrong to them for whatever reason. And I think what you need to do is get to the bottom of it. And I think what happens is too many DMs try and come up with solutions before understanding why. I get so many people reach out to me on social media like, hey, I have this problem player, I have this situation. How do I handle it? And I say, why are they doing that? I don't know. I'm going to point people back to our um, previous yeah. episode. Like our episodes uh, 7, 8, and 9 were all about role-playing. We dealt with problem players mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I said at the time was the root of the thing is never the thing itself. Yeah. The root of the issue is not what the issue is. Yeah. Right? The root of the issue is deeper. And I think that's what you're saying, Terry. Absolutely. Don't it's, just look at the face value, but go. To the, yeah, because, yeah, people are saying, you know, how do, what, what is the way that I fix this? What is the way? If you don't know why that is happening, the best plan in the world will not work because you don't understand why it is happening. And, and I know this is difficult for some people, and, you know, we've all had difficulties with this to, to different degrees, is you just need to ask this person. You need to say, hey, this has come up. It looks like not everybody's agreeing with this or not everybody's enjoying this. Why is it that you want to do it this way? Why do you insist on doing this? Why do you want to do it? If you don't know why, you're not going to fix it. So once you found out why, we'll get, we'll get to the rest of it. And this should be a thing that is done privately. One-to-one. Absolutely. Oh, uh, yes. And not, not before or after or during a game. Don't pull someone aside to say what's the issue. Just get everyone to agree, hey, I know there's a problem at the table. Just... Breathe through it. We'll deal with this mid yeah. midweek. Yeah. Right. This will be after the session. We'll we'll try to figure out what's going on. Even if it's two people that are actively arguing, one person is standing up, screaming and banging their fist on the table. You as a DM are kind of the referee, and while it's not your responsibility to take care of other people's immaturity, mm-hmm. you can say, guys, this is a game. Where I am calling a ten minute break for myself and everyone else. Clear the room. Yeah. Back in the room in 10 minutes, everyone leave. Go sit in your car. Go sit in the living room. Go stand in the kitchen. If you got smokes, smoke them. (laughs) Right? Whatever it is, everybody walk away. Breathe 10 minutes. Yeah. Okay? We'll meet back here at whatever the 10-minute mark is. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And, like, I've only been at the table a handful of times in multiple decades of playing where that has been as far as it's gotten. Usually, the DM has pulled that player aside. But I separately, but I think it's a problem to do it during the session. That's not what you no. use those 10 minutes for. 100% agree with you. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, 100% agree with you. This is a buff. Because usually these problems take several weeks to build to the point where someone is pointing and screaming, right? And you're exactly right. It's rarely the table itself that's causing the issue, it's outside influences. It's a different issue that is influencing this issue. Do it separately first. You're right. And it's just not... The reason that it's not the right time to do the table is because when emotions flare, it, people go into their, that stress state of mind, that fight or flight, is your DNA down to the core is saying, kill that person. Mm-hmm. And you're not listening at that point because, you know, that's why people get road rage because of all that stuff. Um, so that's why it needs to be done. It needs to be done separately. But just understand that it's not a problem player. It's personality clash and there is a reason why. Yeah. Uh, and that's what you need to get to. Um, I, I would also want to encourage, like, if you are refereeing a situation like this, I want to enca- uh, encourage gentleness and sincerity. If you are going to be coming at a someone who's clearly perturbed by something, aggressive about something, coming at them with gentleness or coming at them with like-minded aggression or, or coming at them with ultimatums or something else like that will only exasperate the issue and make it worse. If you come at them with gentleness and sincerity and be like, hey, 
just understand where we're coming from with this, it'll help diffuse that situation a lot better. Now, I do want to ask, what do we do with problem DMs? Yeah. What well, happens well, when the referee... Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. was that. Was that your answer? That was my answer, yeah. Uh, one last thing I want to put on, Dan, which complements exactly what you just said there, piggybacking off you, is you said gentleness and sincerity... Um, and really you talk about controlling the situation, controlling the conversation. What I think people need to do, which does not happen enough with a lot of people, is they do not adapt to people. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to control a situation, you need to adapt to them. If somebody is very uh, elevated and, and, and getting frustrated, I'm not saying do that. I'm saying, but don't, don't, hey, champ, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. What's well, that's, going the, on well, there? Well, that's why he said sincerity. Yeah. Right. And as much, I think there's a third part that you missed on that, Dan. Gentle, sincere and firm mm-hmm. yeah right look i'm i am sorry that, that that you feel that way and i legitimately am upset because i want everyone around the table to have a good time but now is not the time to deal with this hard stop yeah yeah we will deal with this i promise you that but we're not going to deal with it now hard stop right and i i say the word hard stop at yeah the, right there there are some people that i've played with that have been like yeah i fucking hate that talk right because i have given them that talk on a couple of occasions where i'm like yeah well i think you've dm for so long though like i genuinely i really listen to what you say on that stuff because you've seen it you've you've oh, seen it god yes absolutely and like you dm long enough you will recognize the warning signs and be able to nip it more and more in the bud so here's my answer as i go last and i wanted to kind of attack it from a different perspective a lot of the the argument that I've heard over the years as to why people are clashing at a table is, and you guys will recognize this, it's what my character would do. Oh, fuck that. So, so a lot of times we we sit back as DMs and we we try to get the players themselves to step away from their character and to see and that they're affecting everybody else negatively or at least not in the way that they want to because they're trying to be honorable to their character. And we sit here and we say, be honorable to your character's wants and needs, but also keep in mind that everyone else at the table wants this and this and this. So it's a balancing act. And it is. But I'm sorry, if you have a group of dwarven clerics and everyone's agreed to do that, and then three months in, one person drops out and you bring in someone else and they bring a half-elf rogue, there's a clash there. And so I think the problem is not with the player. I think it's with player expectations and why they built the character they built when they did it. And here's my solution. Address it at the table after you've spoken to the player. First, you talk to the player and you say, your character is great. You are doing everything right and you are honoring their wants and needs. Your character does not belong in this story. It's the wrong story for this character. Yeah. Save that character. Hold on to them. And I promise you we will come back to them. What are the common denominators of the rest of the party? Whether it's attitude, race, class, it's all martial or it's all spellcasters. Whatever it is, right? And you can have a little twist on it. You can be unique. But hit those points and bring a new character for next week. And then you start off next week's session with saying, hey, in the middle of the night, the rogue up and fucked off. Yeah. We're going to introduce a new character. That rogue is still out there and we are going to get back to him in the next campaign or one shot or mini series or whatever it is. We're coming back to him. You also do a thing where you kind of chain campaigns as well. And a lot of your, a lot of the player characters and NPCs from previous campaigns will affect and show up in like, subsequent 
Can't subsequent face. fuck. <laughs> it's also exacerbate, but I held my mouth on that. <laughs> what fuck, you all say? right. You said subsequent. Oh, uh, no, ex- uh, exasperate. <laughs> exact- I, messed up. I think I said I meant to say earlier on I meant to say expectedly and I said expectantly I think yeah, I try to roll up for me I was like the internet's gonna hear that but uh, you you really need to I, I I did want to bring up this one thing as well there comes a point where your player is not going to want to roll a different character um, and their and their character could still fit in the campaign um, and rolling a new character is not an option there comes a point where, as a player, you need to sit back and be like, "Listen, we're around a table full of people who are just trying to have fun." My, my, this is what my character would do. Decisions are clearly affecting everyone at the table. There comes a point where you just stand back, shut up, and do something as a player. Might not, it might be counter to your character, but whatever, right, move on through. Right, it. but if you're dealing with a quote unquote problem player, the problem player is not able to do that. So if it's the character. And I cannot think of a single reason why someone can't roll a new character. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit if this is a favorite thing you've ever done in your life. If this is the character that you have in every campaign, Oscar. But if we're doing a political intrigue campaign, don't bring Oscar to the table. And if you do, and it blows up, and you've decapitated the, the bad guy at the beginning of the first session, you burn down the palace in the second session, and everybody else is sitting there in the third session going, oh, what the fuck are we doing? Why did I bother? Yeah. Right? Then... Oscar needs to go have some highfalutin adventure somewhere else. Yep. Right? And that's just... And you cannot convince me that everyone else needs to change for one player. Like I say, common denominator. Well, that's what that's where we're saying get to the why. Okay, so why are you doing this? What my character do? Okay, but if it's bothering everyone else, why are you doing it? Uh, because it's fun for me. Okay, so is it more important to you that you are having 100% of the fun or that everybody is sharing the fun? Exactly. I, I, look, I have fun a million different ways. I have fun watching different TV shows. It's the same... I'm still sitting there watching TV, yeah. but they are va- just vastly different shows, right? I get something different at a Game of Thrones than I do at a Rick and Morty, for example, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm still having fun with both. Why are you married to your half-elf rogue? Yeah. What is your problem with your with your tabaxi fighter, right? Like, it's, it's the same thing over and over. Well, my Kenku only says these three words. Man, I get that, and that's rad. Save it for a one-shot. I love that for a one-shot. That is one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But if it doesn't work for this group, because yeah. it's a political entry campaign, and you've got three words you can use, yeah. then it's not... What it's is not, this, glorious Bastard? Do you yeah. speak the third best Italian? What's going on? <laughs> Bongiorno. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I would agree and echo, and echo those statements. A lot of this is stuff you're going to talk about in your session zero, but... You have mentioned before, Terry, in this episode, to if someone's coming in in the middle of a campaign or this is a new development in the middle of a campaign, there's nothing saying you can't pull this person aside and have these discussions with them. Get them to roll a new character. Get them to understand why rolling a new character is a better option than just trying to push through this. Yeah. yeah. And and I think I'm making the assumption that the why is that because they want to play this character and this is the most fun character that they could create at the time and now it's your job as a dm to say that's a great character but look at this great campaign and what fits better in here right Mm -hmm. and then you need to describe you need to come up with all the different aspects of this campaign that may be interesting to them that is not thieves guild right yeah or 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 lawful good paladin or you know lawful stupid right what can you add oh i just always wanted to play a dwarf cleric and you've been waiting for six years to do this can you wait another four months? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. This is not the end of the world. 
Yeah, I mean, unless it like, you know, in, in three weeks we'll we'll take a break. We'll run a one shot so you can scratch the itch on that. Bring yeah. that character then, and then we'll yeah. jump back in. And I'll know? do my and I'll do everything in my power to not murder that character. You can bring him back in future one shots yeah. or future campaign. Like you as a DM have the ability to sit back and and nip these problems by looking at the concept of why and realize that it's not just why, but also why now. Yeah. Right. And why them? And why here? And and understand that everyone around the table is working together to a common goal and that common goal is not terry's fun <laughs> yes it is no <laughs> those are all the people under the table so. so. <laughs> uh, we almost had a pg episode oh uh, we so. almost almost <laughs> we were close we did. but anyway that you had a, you, what, what did you ask you said what about problem dms next all right yeah do we want to roll on that yeah let's do it I was looking forward to throwing that twist into the question. Seven. 15. Trick shot. Dan got a 15. Dan rolled it off two edges and then it dropped in. Adam got a 19. I just opened my fist above it and it fell under a 19. How, what do you do with problem DMs? <laughs> no such thing. I've, I've never had that problem. <laughs> what do I do with problem DMs is I usually wait until the campaign is over by about three months and then I rip them a new one. <laughs> that, that is traditionally how I poorly handled that <laughs> Adam makes Adam makes fun of the DM behind his it. back I will start to his face in the podcast yeah. medium yeah. <laughs> no uh, with the problem DM what's the problem like there are oh, there are a couple of things one of them is the, my precious story yeah right yeah yeah um, one of them is uh, one of them is I win yeah one of them is I win and uh, and one of them is uh is I've got my significant other, best friend, brother, father-in-law, whatever it is at the table, and I'm catering to that one person yeah, and nobody else, yeah. right? So, like, there are some problem DMs out there, uh, and I think that, very simply, you don't have to be at their table. It's I think it's easier when it's the other way around, isn't it? I mean, yep. you can, it, it all still comes down to a why. There is a why, and you kind of give the, the, the main ones there. Uh, but uh, who went first? Adam, you're going first. So I won't interrupt you. Go on. I know you're in the middle of making a point there. Oh, no. Like, uh, that's it. it. Again, it's you need to know what it is and why. You are not going to convince... If, if Dan is playing with his, I'm going to say, father-in-law, right? And he's, he's really laying it on thick for that guy. And I'm getting zero attention over here. Man, I'm not going to change Dan's mind on that. I can bring it up a little bit. But if his father-in-law is breathing down his neck enough that he's got to do this, then fine. I'll put up with this for a couple of weeks and then move on. Yeah. Right, I'm gonna give Dan a heads up. Hey, you're gonna have to replace me. I've got I don't know work shit. Yeah, and and even I mean that's <laughs> right. it, like a a it kind of yeah it's always like the easier way out works busy or whatever. But I think leaving a game doesn't have to be beef. You know, it doesn't have to be. It I shouldn't man, be. Man, Life just be, gets in the way. Just be like you know what, man? People play D and D in a lot of different ways. You always talk about you have a very tactical type group, and you know that's not probably gonna, not going to fit my style. No, it doesn't mean. Fuck Dan's group. Fuck these guys. They're the other band, the Beatles and the Stones. Like it's, it doesn't have to be like it's just that's not my kind of game. Hey man, I tried it out. I love what you're doing here. I don't really think it's my type of D and D. So uh, you know, I'll do. I'll finish off the session and whatever, and that'll be it from there. Yeah. yeah, and and honestly, okay. So my answer is, how do you deal with the problem DM? Is you talk to them between sessions and you say, yeah. here's here's my basic issue. Same thing. Be a fucking adult. Yeah. Right. Here's my basic issue. Because yeah, it's a game, so yeah. calm down. <laughs> and and it is okay that you are doing this, doing what you're doing this way and this way. I don't understand why. What can we do to work together to resolve this issue? A lot of times, 
you're going to find that the DM is looking at the other players around the table and trying to cater to them for whatever reason, or he's catering to them to himself. If he's catering to other players, then he will make the room to cater to you. If he's catering to his own my precious story or I need to win, you're not going to fix that. No. And and that's when you graciously, sincere, sincerely, humbly, and, and all of that, but firmly say, I think it's time for a different campaign. I wouldn't even, it's, no, 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 no. I'll say, hey, you know what? When the next campaign comes up, give me a call. I'm not in for this one. I'm sorry. No. Your story sounds great, and I'd love to read your novel. <laughs> but I am not a, a human prop for you to move around the table. Yeah. Right? And that's that's just what it comes down to. And I've walked away from campaigns. I walked away from Dance Friday campaign. Right? But for personality clash reasons, I was not getting along with the DM. And, um, and I have no interest in ever going back. Because it's not the kind of game that I want to be in. No. Yeah. Right? And that's fine. I don't hold a grudge about it. But I don't want to... Man, if I want to play tactics, I'll play chess. Yeah. Right? There's, yeah, there's more important things than starting beef over some of That's such a first world problem to create a beef over a game, you know? I don't know, man. Tell that to Brazil and soccer. Oh, fuck Brazil. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Football. <laughs> um, I, I was going to say, because... My Friday group, which we've we've talked a lot here, and that's not saying that they're a problem group. They're just a very different group. They're they're a right? different group. But we have essentially been playing with the same group of guys for decades. And there have been times when one of my buddies, who I love and cherish dearly, have sat up and said, Hey, I'm actually gonna run the next campaign. We're like, sweet, cool. What's it about? Oh, it's super political intrigue. Like this was twenty years ago and we and he had just finished reading like the first two books of Game of Thrones. It was all like, I want to do the super political intrigue. And we're all like, I mean, no one else is going to DM so sure. Let, let's give it a try. Yeah. We got three sessions in and all of us hated it. So we all had to kind of sit back and be like, listen, I know you've got this thing that you really want to do. Um, it's not for us. It's Keep about, building I mean, it. Keep building it. But you're going to need to find another group. You're gonna get it's audience, not going to yeah. work with us. And... If you approach it like an adult, approach it with some maturity, like we did with 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 my buddy, we're going to move on to the next campaign. The other option is if you are a player and your DM is someone who clearly wants to be playing the game and has made it clear that they would rather be a player than a DM, step up, try DMing. I don't understand why you can't be like, listen, I understand you're not having a good time at, with it. Can we sit down, talk about what your storyline is, and I could try to take it over, or we could start something new. Let's try to work this out. It's all about approaching each other with humility and being open to maybe putting yourself out on the line to, to run that table. A lot of people aren't going to do that. A lot. I know people, a lot of people it's aren't, very but it's intimidating. An yeah, it it's is. very intimidating. I agree. It's an option, and I wish more people would be confident enough to do that. Yeah. Um, and I like, I hear you giving permission to people like, Hey, step up and offer. That's what Terry did when you started DMing mm -hmm. for, for. Yeah. It, it did not go unnoticed that you said my first game of D and D I ever played, I was DMing. Yeah. But also like, the <laughs> second game you ever played, you'd had this one little crazy yeah, yeah. campaign and you got thrown curse of straw with a week's <laughs> amount of prep. Right. And then you handed it off to me and you're like, Hey, so we're wrapping in like two weeks. Adam, you have a thing ready. I'm like, oh shit, okay. Yeah, yeah. That was when every, all of the lessons, all of the advice I give to people on this podcast, I did not have those tools back then. No. I had no idea. Like, people were like, how long is the campaign going to be? And I was like, 
I don't know. Like, when does it stop? Like, like, I, I think it's 280 pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. Right. So, yeah. Terry, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I think we covered the bulk of it there for me. I think the big thing I'm trying to drive home for problem DMs is you got, you have options. It doesn't have to become a beef. Remember, this is a first world problem. Okay, this is that your game is not going well. And uh, I think we just have, we live in such a, I'm a bit of a no drama llama. Like, I just don't get involved in that type of like beef and stuff. Like, you know, there always seems to be people out there that are just always having drama. I'm like, how the hell does that happen? It just, I just seem to have no drama all the time. <coughs> and I just think, um, like Adam said, just be an adult about it. If you're not enjoying the game, it's easy. Just leave that game. Just go and find one you're going to like. We have the internet now. They're out there. You know, so many people playing this. Um, just don't make it an issue. It doesn't. You can just quietly, graciously leave. And that's it. And still hang out with your friend who's the DM at the weekend. It's fine. The other thing that I want to bring up... Look, I agree with all of that. Yeah. Everything that you said was on point. This seems like a no-brainer to me. But I yeah. feel like some people have issues with their DMs. And you go to the r slash RPG Horror Stories, right? And it's just full of of edgelord players and and my story matters more than you dms right yeah, yeah. that's the big one that i i hear about and I read about yeah. more than anything else as a dm i just want to say really quickly your story is great and shit but that's not why you're here mm-hmm. you, that's not, you're not here to write a novel no i encourage you to go write a novel as a matter of fact if you've got a badass idea send me a message i would be happy personally I would be happy to listen to it. Check me out on Instagram at Rusty Styrofoam. Tell me your novel idea, and I will. And I, I'm going to be all over it. But keep that shit off your table. Yeah. Right. If you've got a really cool mechanic you want to try out, put it in a campaign that already exists. If you've got a homebrew world like I personally do, I wrote an 80 page Bible. I went deep dive into mine. Right. And at no point was it supposed to be about me. It was I build a world and everything's wrong and please fix the world, mm-hmm. right? I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know what it says on your character sheet because I don't give a shit about your character. I also don't give a shit about my story. I give a shit about the setting and the people in it. And here are these problems that I set up before we ever roll dice. Yeah. How are you going to fix this? Yeah. Sometimes I'll give you impossible odds, but how are you going to fix it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm very hands-off gaming. I, like, I've got six sessions left in my campaign. Um, we've got to level twice in that time. I kind of know what direction we're heading in, but I don't prep anymore. My prep work has been done. Yeah. I need to know what map to draw, but that's it. I know who, I already know where the bad guys are, what they're doing, what they're up to. It's up to you guys to do it. And I am now reacting to the players. Yeah. And honestly, it's a lot scarier, but it's a lot more fun as a DM. So that's. So a certain freedom. It, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I've felt that before. And I mean, if if the players turn around and say, you know what, fuck it, we're walking off into the sunset. We're not finishing this. All right, then the world ends. Then like, that's the campaign. <laughs> sure, like, and it will be spectacular. And it it will be spectacular. You will all die in a fiery blaze of horror. Yeah. <laughs> However, that's what you guys decided to do. You knew what the stakes were, and you walked away. Yeah. Right, Dan. You told a story on the podcast not long ago about a Shadowrun campaign where a guy decided to just. Nope. Up out. and fuck off right before the final boss. Yeah. Yeah. And like, man, fine, go do that, but but let your DM know ahead of time that you're not having fun. Like, how did it get to this point? Yeah. Right. If you have a problem DM, he's probably been going off unchecked for a while. 
I think uh, you know, lots of times these things. It's not D and D problem. It's a it's a people problem, isn't yep. it? You know, yep. people say, "Oh well, I can't walk away from the game because uh, you know I'm the DM's my brother and blah blah." No, it's not. That's not D and D problem, man. I can't help you. That that's uh, that's yeah. people. You know? Yeah, that's that's your problem with your brother. Yeah, yeah, you can't walk away because your brother is DMing. Then maybe you need a better relationship with your brother. Yeah, right. And that's not what we're here for. No. So, <laughs> final thoughts. Anyone want to put any any final thoughts in before we wrap this this sucker up here? No, man. I mean, negotiating a the politics of a table is always going to be case by case. Where we can only kind of offer general suggestions. Um, I recommend a dictatorship. You, you, I no, no. I would not recommend a dictatorship. <laughs> Probably dictator. communism. <laughs> Um, yeah, communism. <laughs> Everybody gets Everybody the amount of XP. Moment. I suppose it kind of is like that. Um, but like I, I, dictator. we offer generalities, and you kind of gotta. <laughs> you're still giggling with dictator, right? <laughs> Penis potato. <laughs> um, but you, it you just got to be aware of your table and be attentive to your table. I mean, ultimately. You guys might not all be friends. You could be sitting inside of a game store for the first time playing with a bunch of people who you've never met before all around the table. You've got to be aware, got to be attentive of the table and and talk it out. Be adults. Ultimately, be adults. Talk to each other like adults. Have some respect for each other because you're all out there playing a game. And ultimately, like you said, Terry, this is a first world problem that blows out of proportion way too much. It is. You're right. All right, well, that's it for this week's episode on Party Politics. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also find us at www.itsamimic.com or email us at info at itsamimic.com. Thanks for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast, and make sure to check us out next week when we are covering, are you ready? Red Dragons! Rouge Sky Lizards. You ruined it, Dan. Yeah. Oh, did I? Also, the color comes after the noun, but never Oh, mind. dry rag, sky dragons rouge? No, dry skagens. That's, <laughs> that's what you said, and we're sticking yeah, with dry it. Dry skagens. Damn it! Thank you for listening to It's a Mimic. Check us out online at itsamimic.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have questions you would like answered by the guys on the show? Send them an email to itsamimic at gmail.com. Tune in every Tuesday for more. So we, we talked the entire episode about, you know, whether or not um, people are happy on the table, how to keep them happy, DMs and players and so on and so forth. What was the most fun that you guys had at D&D? When you think of D&D fun, the time that you laughed the most or was the most fulfilling or what was the thing that made you guys the freaking happiest playing? Where you sat there and went, you know what? This was the best shit I've ever done in my life. I have to go through... Oh, like 20 decades years. of yeah, decades D and D to find like that one moment. So well, what's I will the first go thing, last. What's the thing that, that comes to your head first? Right? Um, back way back in the day, I think I've mentioned this in the podcast. I might not have, but we ran a, a carnival games session where our characters and I was still in high school when I did this. Um, our characters ran a like local regional carnival um, event um, for the village that we were around, and like. The one thing I remember was we had a greased pig catching contest where we release a greased pig into the like pen and then based on a skill challenge, you catch it. And my character got in there and this is way back in the days of 3.5 and rolled three natural 20s in a row as the first person that walked in. So I walked in, they released the greased pig, I picked it up and handed it back to them and they're like, what the hell? And 
it broke the rest of the session. Like we were, we were just because it was just never supposed it, to happen. It, it was just never supposed to happen. And, yeah. and that entire session, I have fond memories of it. Us doing like strongman competitions and eating competitions and um, athletics and acrobatic competitions uh, with just the other players and NPCs that we'd grown fond of in the campaign up until that point. It was it was a great session and like no combat, zero combat, the entire session. It was just lots of fun. Love it. Um, I think for me, I've had so many good experiences playing D&D now, but I, re- I think back to the first ever time I played Dungeons & Dragons, which was not necessarily my favorite time. I think just most memorable because it truly cemented the game for me. Uh, I was DMing. It was just a one shot and I was playing for the table full of people we never played before. Like nobody at the table had any idea how to play Dungeons & Dragons. We were making up. I didn't understand how spell slots worked. I just <laughs> said, here's five spells I found in the book. You can do them all twice. Let's go from there. <laughs> And, that works. Hey, it works. And it was just like a one shot of where I was kind of leading these people on this, you know, railroady adventure. Get over the cavern. Couple of frost giants. For some reason, there's a red dragon inside of Tundra Mountain. Whatever. So, <laughs> just, I didn't know. I didn't know. I'll make. I'll make it up later. Why it's there. Um, and it was just so good because I came out of after that session. We played for about eight hours. We were so hammered. One person just left the table because they were just like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I can't be this person anymore. And I have to go and lie down. Okay. We didn't know. <laughs> Obviously now we play a much more respectful game than that. Um, I don't know. Me- some, sometimes like an hour, like six of playing in one of Adam's sessions. I'm like, I, I need to lie down and process. Yeah. What the hell is happening? <laughs> Dan lays down and does some black tar heroin. Just <laughs> but it was like the first time I'd ever felt that joy. And I was like... Where is this bean? Why is nobody talking about this? This is hilarious. It's yeah. so good. We were so, even in a one shot, so like emotionally invested in things. Uh, and I think it just paved the way for the rest of D&D for me. Um, so that's probably my most memorable time because I, I won't forget that. Cool. Yeah. Adam? Uh, <clears throat> we ran a session you with... You killed somebody, I imagine. No. <laughs> no, we, we ran a session and it was the second last session that we had friends in town for and they were... They're moving away. We talked about Jess and Jamie King. Yeah. Yeah. And it, the second last one, not the big cliffhanger where big cut scene and it all went to hell and everybody was all like, this is the deepest, darkest, most brutal cliffhanger. Oh, I thought that. it was awesome. Oh, I had, a, I had a good time. I had a great time. Dan yells at me still and throws shit across rooms at me about it. But the... Uh, no, there's a litany of things. There's a list of reasons now. It's not just that. But uh, no, the episode before that... Dan, you weren't there, and it was just the four of, of, of the players again, right? The original group of, of people that have been working on this, because you'd only been there a couple of months yeah, at that yeah. point, just new into the campaign. And so I used. And I even came onto that campaign knowing that they were going to leave they and were, you were going to take and the, their And things place, were right? wrapping up, and that I needed to take a more like side role. So. Yeah. And so we sat down and we played a, a session that started off in this big, heavy, dark campaign where we're gearing up to the end, where you guys came upon an anthropomorphic corgi. Do you remember that, Terry? A corgi? What does anthropomorphic mean? Uh, it was uh, talking, walking on his two hind legs. And oh, yeah, a, yeah. He was a corgi and he was standing outside of a portal and he was essentially a paladin, but he was an anthropomorphic corgi who was just like, what ho, stay where you are, citizens. And you guys killed him. Um, because he That's was right. a lawful good character. And you Did I it. kill him? Uh, yes. I uh, I don't know if you got the killing blow, but you definitely beat the holy hell out of this small dog. Splendid. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then jumped through the portal, and they were sitting there protecting people for what was coming through this portal. And you guys jumped through the portal, and you are you're deep in the woods late at night, and you're walking by yourself, and there were all of these bits and pieces of 
of uh, bodies that were strewn about and they looked like they'd been half chewed on. And there was this quick moving creature through the trees and you came out of, of the forest and you were, you were on the path, but then you were getting lost. And so you came out of the forest and there was, you were approaching kind of a cliff area and there was all of these holes in the ground um, where there had been uh, this big battle and uh, the, the holes themselves were bottomless pits and you could see that there was a cabin beyond on the oh, edge of the cliff. Oh shit, I know what you're, I, I was trying to piece together what you're talking about. And, and you guys were heading in that direction and then a bunch of Warforged stood up and fought you guys and said, Halt citizens, you cannot go any further. And then you guys fought the Warforged and went into the, the cabin and there was a, a, a crystalline human skull sitting on the top of the roof looking down at everybody and they walked in and they fought there was this this cannibalistic human looking creature that was sitting down mm. sharpening an axe right and he brandished a knife and you guys did you figure it out because we didn't <laughs> no no no, no. Uh, i i just remember what oh, this is okay, about okay. now yeah and you guys had gone into the world where you fought actual cannibal shia labeouf yeah but i dropped holes and transformers in the kingdom of the crystal skull yeah on you guys and you didn't pick up on it but it was the monk that knew the the kung fu that actually used the the kung fu moves like in the song yeah to like knock his head off and decapitate him and like (laughs) it it was so funny the way that it all played out and none of you knew what it was what we were playing and so at the very end when you came back through the portal and you got through i pulled up my phone and i hit the song and i and i played it for everybody and the look of just utter defeat yeah. on everyone's face. You dropped face. so many clues. Like, it wasn't even the War Force Transformers. You were like, and standing in front of you, brandishing a knife. Yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> just like... And I, I just directly saying words out of the yeah. out of the song, right? And quoting it directly. And you guys had all been talking about this song like it was the best thing ever. Like, three weeks, four weeks beforehand. Adam, can we play with this? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm prepping this in the background, right? And then I dropped it, and you guys had no idea. No. And to me, still, that, from a DM perspective, was the most fun I've ever had. Waiting for you guys to clue in, and I just... And in this this cliffside kingdom of misery, there's the crystal skull. On the... The... Crystal, yeah. fuck. All right, so no, it's pretty even. Stevens out here, like just no idea. Yeah, I, I had no just, idea. I just kept, I just kept doing it right, yeah. and so I had a lot of fun. And the look in everybody's faces at the end was like, I can't believe this just happened. So that was I when he was sharpening his knife. Did he stand up and pull the bag off of his head that says I'm an artist? <laughs> no, that hadn't happened yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. So no, but that was that was I think the most fun that we. Yeah. At the end, when they defeated him, I stood up and clapped slowly. Nothing. Nothing. I got nothing. So it was so funny from my perspective. And I was the only one in on the joke. So anyway, that was the most fun that I, cool. that I ever had great. in the D&D session. 